0: Part of the same old boring podcast Boring Or they want to talk about low carb butter for an hour Does this butter make my hips look fat? Shut up about the I can't believe it's not butter And come on over to the Donut Box Podcast Where can I listen? On Spotify, Apple, and any of your other streaming services When can I listen? Every Monday, Monday, Monday When can I listen again? Every Monday, Monday, Monday So what do you guys talk about? We talk about everything Including this week on Jelly Donut, which is our jail report. We're going to talk about Cable Asquez. When can I listen again? One day! Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. This is the Donut Box Podcast.
1: Well, Micah, we are recording episode 15 for the second time because the first time my microphone uh, messed up, but proud to say that we are on episode 15 uh, also shout out to all of our friends in the ukraine if uh and russia we're praying for you guys during this uh, tumultuous time but 15 episodes how does that make you feel well
0: it's technically 16 because it's time number two but Hey, I think this 15 is going to be better than the last 15.
1: We can do it like uh, how you did fourth grade, be like 15 the first time and then 15 the second time, just like how you say when I was in fourth grade the first time or when I was in fourth grade the second time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You got to delineate the two, you know what I'm saying?
1: Exactly. So uh, for those of y'all that are new, uh, this Donut Box podcast, how it works is each segment is a different donut and the first segment is... ...is our old-fashioned donut, which is a story from our past. Now, this story is called The Camping Trip. We have many stories from a camping trip, and we'll save the best one for episode 20, but tell them a little bit about this camping trip, Micah. First and
0: foremost, I just want to say if uh, Tony is listening, he was our small group leader and, and in charge of this camping trip. We're sorry. Um, life has come around, that we've learned our lessons on this. However, so... We were a part of this youth group, and they were gonna take us on a camping trip and I mean, we were middle school boys um, but how many of us were there, Chris? would you say?
1: I would probably say there were about uh, I don't know probably twelve to fifteen of us. It wasn't a lot, but if you even if you have like six middle school boys that's that's a
0: lot I mean it would it was split between four tents so. Um, Most, you know, we could call one, like, the communal tent, I guess, because it was really big, and so most of the boys stayed there. And then this other kid, Zach, had a tent, and there was probably four or five guys in there. And then we had our own tent, and it was way too small for us. Chris and I could barely fit in there, the two of us. And then we had our friend Patrick in there, too, because he didn't have a place to sleep. So, I mean, it was so small that all three of us were laying there and literally our feet were like hanging out the other end of this tent that's how small it was also georgia the middle of summer it was extremely hot that night and humid
1: yeah and we couldn't sleep at all so uh micah and myself being the great kids that we were we started stirring up trouble and we started throwing uh rocks at our good friend zach's uh tent um and zach didn't like that too much because i guess it was his dad's tent he was like guys stop it's my dad's tent stop and we were like yeah shut up zach because we didn't like uh, like him at all he was a little pipsqueak i mean i'm a little guy myself but he was a little pipsqueak so we uh we picked on him and we started throwing rocks at his tent Then, then what did he do what did he do
0: so i mean and this was the dead of night he came out there and i mean he was all he was all fussing about how it was his dad's tent and all this other stuff and It was so dark out there that all of a sudden we just see this flash of like white and I was just like how did he get his face like so low to the ground and how did he contort his body like that then I realized it wasn't his face it was his rear end he was giving us the good old moon.
1: Yeah his uh his moon showing in the moonlight and uh I I just like looked by the window because he mooned us by the window and I was like Zach, is that your face? I was like, oh God, that's not your face. That's something else. And uh poor poor Tony, who was our small group leader, he was like trying to he was trying to sleep and uh, he just couldn't. And uh we were we were definitely stirring the pot um, because there were these two brothers and uh and they were fighting and uh tell them about the two brothers
0: you know they were fighting as two two brothers would and i mean they weren't really far apart age wise maybe two years or so and so one of one of these kids alex he was uh you know he could definitely be kind of a you know a hole trying to be dominant sometimes and then um his brother steven nice kid a little off at times But he really just got sick and tired of something, so he comes over to our tent and he's talking to the three of us and he's like, you know, I'm just sick and tired of Alex. I'm sick and tired of his stuff. So naturally, we're going to stir the pot. And so what we tell him to do is, you should stand up to him. Now, we didn't tell him specifically what to do. We just said, you should stand up to him. You shouldn't take that from him. And uh, what happened next, Chris? Yeah, we were
1: like even giving him tips. We were like, okay, if he comes at you, give him a left hook. Give him an uppercut. We were teaching him fighting moves, and we were like, Steven, you don't deserve this. You need to stand up for yourself. And we just kept egging him on and egging him on. I was like, I want you to go up to your brother right now, and if he says something to you, I want you to push him and uh he went up to his brother and uh his brother said something smart alex said something smart to steven and steven said something smart back i don't remember what it was but it kind of took alex by surprise and alex was kind of like what'd you say and steven like you know poor kid he was like stuttering and he kind of he like he's he said something else and uh then like they commenced to fight and me and mike are like stirring it up and we're like yeah yeah give him an elbow give him a him in the face
0: yeah i mean we were it was one of those things come on steven what are you gonna do you're gonna let him do that to you and you know we we really egged it on that was our entertainment for the night well tony you know he was not too happy um especially because we had been just laughing and cutting up and also just just really stirring everything so he comes and he sleeps in the tent. and so there's four people in this tent And he's trying to sleep in the middle. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to get us all to calm down. Well, we weren't calming down for nothing at all. I mean, we kept laughing. We kept cutting up. So he got so upset. I mean, what he last Chris, probably 30, 45 minutes. And he's just like, I'm out. And so he went down to the lake and he went fishing. And so we thought, okay, he's mad. What we need to do is we still need to cause ruckus. But we just don't need to tip him off while he's down there fishing so we don't get in trouble
1: well well he even like came and tried to like like lay down in our tent because like it was like he he just couldn't get no sleep and there was uh, already three of us in there and it was already cramped and uh he he finally like us stirred up some ruckus he couldn't he couldn't take it no more after the whole little uh alex and steven bout and uh then he he went down to the lake fishing and we're, we're, we're like oh, okay let's stir everybody up but like let's make sure that we don't get caught uh, Cause he had already said something to us. And so we're like, we're like making jokes and like somebody at the tent is like being like, Ooh, nice pipes. And like making everybody laugh. And like, uh, you know, somebody's talk is, I think Zach's talking mess. And we're like, shut up. And we're just like, making ruckus and all of a sudden like we hear footsteps and we're like he's coming he's coming and just a flashlight turns on and Tony's like I'm already here and at that point Tony had lost it he went off and he said I will call a Debbie LaFaver," and he started naming each of our parents he was like I will call a so-and-so Alexander I will call a so-and-so Reynolds and he kept naming everybody's parents and and that's when we shut up and Tony was kind of like a very calm and cool and collected band and so we had never seen him mad so to make that man mad uh it took a lot it really took
0: a lot and i mean i mean it scared me real bad especially when he turned that flashlight on in, in our face like that but once he said something about calling our parents he he was so bad he went to his truck to sleep and we knew that he was just it was over with. We better go to sleep right now. That was the defining moment of we just stop, and we did.
1: It was like two o'clock in the morning, and he was just tired of us because he had already told us to go to sleep several times. And so, uh, just want to say, Tony, if you're listening, we're sorry. Uh, I've definitely served with middle school kids and elementary kids, and it's definitely come back to uh, to bite me. So I just want to formally say. Uh, On behalf of Trash Cat TV, we're sorry.
0: I mean, that man has some patience. I mean, we definitely tried it that night. We got on some nerves, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, we did. Uh, So that was our old-fashioned donut. The next is our jelly donut, which is our jail report. What is that private pile? Sir, jelly donut, sir! A jelly donut? And so we are going to talk about uh, Cain Velasquez. I don't know if you uh, know, but he is a UFC fighter. Um, For sure, and uh, this is what happened. Um, So, according to the San Jose Police Department, uh, Velasquez was chasing uh, Mr. Golarte and fired a gun several times at a truck carrying him, his mother, and stepfather. The stepfather was driving the vehicle and was the only person struck with a bullet during the incident. And apparently, um, that Mr. Galarte was recently charged with molest- molesting a close relative of Velasquez and was out on bail so right now uh Velasquez is not uh out on bail uh he's awaiting attempted murder charges and uh this is what uh Joe Rogan had to say Joe Rogan kind of weighed in on it and he said uh on a, on a recent episode of his uh podcast he said that uh it's beyond sick that guy deserves everything what Kane did well Kane actually got his father didn't he not the guy himself sadly but Joe said that he wished that Kane Velasquez hadn't shot at him he wished that he had beat him to death and uh so definitely some strong opinions from Joe Rogan it's interesting to me that uh you know the the guy that was charged with molesting Kane Velasquez close relative uh is out on bail you know what I mean
0: yeah, I mean I don't know the stuff surrounding it and uh but I just I don't know. It's it's just crazy to me how he's out and you, you just kinda think about the circumstances, the guy that really was taking a vengeance on something that shouldn't have happened to a close relative of of his. I mean I can understand it, but something I will say is uh you should just never take the law into your own hands. I mean, as flawed as the justice system can be sometimes you really just got to leave it up to the justice system because really and truly he's in his late 30s and he might be losing a part of his life now because of this, you know?
1: I mean, the sad thing is is that the man was like, a heavyweight champion, you know, he's a heavyweight champion. And uh, like you said, he's in his forties and kind of his life is going down the drain. I mean, I, I understand why he did it because I would love to say that, you know, if I was in his shoes that I let the law handle it, but probably not. I mean, I'd, I'd want to do the same thing. The sad part is, is that, you know, he ended up injuring a uh, innocent person and that's kind of the hard part of it. Uh, but, I mean, I totally understand. I mean, it sounds like he maybe chased them down, you know what I mean?
0: I mean, I definitely understand. It's just, it's such a hard one because, again, like you were saying, none of us have really been in that situation before. I mean, and so we really can't say what we would do in that situation. But at the same time, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how it comes into, like, the legal proceeding process of, like, motive-wise because it's a pretty understandable one, unlike... You know a lot of other crimes that go on of that nature
1: i know that uh it is in california and they're a little bit more lenient in california but do you think that the that the judge is going to have leniency on cain velasquez or do you think not at all you think he's just gonna be like well you shot at an innocent person so sorry about you what do you think
0: personally i mean i think it comes down to judge and um Really just what's going on at the time in that county. I mean, what are they seeing left and right? If they're seeing a lot of gun violence, I mean, that judge might be a little bit more along the lines of, I don't care what the reasoning, we don't need to do this, but if it's more of something where they're seeing a lot of sexual crimes, I mean, maybe he's going to be a little bit more understanding. He or she's going to be more understanding. So I, I really think it comes down to circumstance with that. I mean, really... I know judges are supposed to judge based on just the law and what is going on in that case, but a lot of times it has outside arenas as well that's playing into it.
1: Well, Joe Rogan definitely makes it sound like he's on Cain Velasquez's side. Dana White hasn't issued a statement, and I'm pretty sure that Dana White and the UFC kind of want to stay out of it and not have bad PR. And even if Cain Velasquez is absolved of these charges, um, I think that the UFC will kind of distance themselves away because they don't want to be tied to any bad PR.
0: Well, that, and he also had a contract for a little bit with the WWE and some Lucha Libre wrestling and things. I don't think that, I mean, I don't think they're going to want to be involved with it either.
1: I agree with you 100%. And so, um, it's, it's just a different messy situation. I mean, it's, it's hard because I grew up watching the guy and, but I understand where he's coming from. So, um, I mean, that's our jail report. It's really sad uh, to see that happen. But um, a buddy of mine texted me and was like, bro, did you hear about Cain Velasquez? And I said no. And I was like, man, attempted murder. And then I read this story and I was like, man, this is wild. So you just never know what you're going to find in the jail report.
0: It's definitely a unique one. Definitely a unique one for sure. Especially when you don't see too many celebrity stories quite like that either.
1: Well, the next segment is the donut hole. What's on our donut hole? this week
0: micah so our donut hole we're going to talk about our trashy book of the month or whatever time date we talk about books now this one this one chris is very bad we we read this book and um we're not even going to tell you the name of it the author just going to disclose it's not published it is absolutely horrible i mean worst book i've ever read what do you think chris
1: I think it is absolutely the worst book we ever read, and we're going to save you uh, the trouble of ever having to read it. Now, first of all, it's not published. Second of all, we know the person that wrote it, and we're not going to tell you their name because uh, we're just going to absolutely rip it to shreds uh, because it's pretty bad. And if you have a high school education simply and you paid attention in history class and you read this book, you would just be sick to your stomach of the historical inaccuracies this book. Is a historical piece. Now the whole time frame of the book takes place within a couple months, but within this couple months, we jump like a hundred years on the historical timetable. So I'm gonna break it down for you real briefly. Okay?
0: It's it's actually it's actually a couple weeks. I mean it's not even I don't even think it's a month. I think it's I don't know. Time frame is also kind of messy too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this book takes place apparently in colonial pennsylvania and it's about this guy that came over from italy and he's engaged to this italian girl and they're getting ready to uh, get married and of course custom is that he has to give her this token that's consummating the marriage without them actually physically consummating the marriage and in this box it has his personal effects and it's this letter from antonio Vivaldi, and the guy talks about how he wanted Antonio Vivaldi to be the priest at their wedding. Now, Antonio Vivaldi died in... When did Antonio Vivaldi die? Uh, in 1740.
0: 1740.
1: So this is like... At first, you think it's 1739. So then it takes you to the shop with his partner who makes wigs. And this this side character has no meaning in the story except for one instance, and then he goes to church, and then they go to a bakery, and they describe all these different kinds of breads, it like takes one chapter to describe all the different types of breads, it's ridiculous, and he meets this German guy, and uh, he, he makes a friend with the German guy, and he goes, then he goes to his engagement party, and they're talking about King George, and the taxes, and the whiskey tax, and then they're asking, where the heck is Ben Franklin, and they all say, Ben Franklin is at a negro freedom rally that's where he's at now uh what's the problem with this micah
0: historically the problem with this is uh, what they're talking about uh with you know freeing the slave movement essentially is that happened in 1793 the same year that ben franklin was going to pass away as well
1: so then uh Main character homeboy wants to go see his German friend in this town, and he's gonna travel on this stagecoach, and he's just gonna dip out and decide how he feels about the marriage because he's not really sure about how he wants to get married to this girl who apparently is 15, and he's like significantly older. So he sneaks away, and then his bride to be catches him, and she's like, "I'm going with you," and he's like, "Okay, I'll let you go along as long as you don't blab." And so they get to the stagecoach, and apparently that the, the wagon driver is down two horses and they can't go to where they want to go and the german guy from the bakery shows up and is like hey i'm going to this town and my dad's gonna pick me up and he's from that original town that you want to go see and uh we'll just have him take you to your original destination and it's 12 hours out of the way mind you and the main character is like yolo you only live once let's go and on the stagecoach ride, they meet a couple other characters. They meet some circus boy who wants to join the circus. He has no relative relativity to the whole story except for one detail, which we'll tell you later. And then they're driving, and you know the main character is kind of a jerk because he just treats his bride to be very awful. So then they get attacked. By a gang of outlaws and Pawnee Indians, and mind you, they're in Pennsylvania. And what's the problem with Pawnee Indians in Pennsylvania, Micah?
0: Pawnee Indians were initially from Nebraska and Kansas, and then whenever the whole trail of tears happened in subsidizing land, over to Oklahoma, never in Pennsylvania, never even close.
1: So they get attacked by this gang of outlaws and these Pawnee Indians, and it's like they're in this big old western shootout and they're like circle the wagons and like i guess the outlaws get like three or four or five shots off i don't know how long this little renegade things takes place but by the sound of it the the weaponry sounds like pistols and revolvers and like bolt action you know rifles and the lever pump action rifles and what's the problem with this
0: the problem is, at this time, it was if they did have pistols or they did have rifles, they would have black powder, which you have to, you know, reload each and every time. So, really and truly, the first revolver slash pistol that came out that would have had the features of rapid fire and holding multiple rounds in the chamber was 1836, so past the point when we were already a country by about 50 years.
1: Okay. And then all of a sudden this random dog shows up that saves them and I'll get to the random dog because that's the way the name that they give them is also historically inaccurate as well. Um, And so circus boy gets shot in the shoulder like twice. And the uh, main character has to drive the wagons all the way to the town. And they get to the town. And main character is like, hey, we're going to check into our hotel first. Then I'm going to get you a doctor. And Circus Boy that just got shot is like, oh, yeah, that's fine with me. And I was like, if I would have got shot, I would want a doctor immediately. I would want those bullets to get on my shoulder. But I digress. So they go to this inn of this widow woman. Who's running the inn and it turns out German boy's sister works there. Okay. Then turns out that the friend or that the dad of the German boy comes there and apparently it's the original friend that main character was going to go see anyway. And so they have this whole big reunion, whatever. Meanwhile, uh, Bride to Be's father finds out that they're gone and sends this bounty hunter after them named the wolf because he devours their prey, his prey. So the wolf gets there and he says, "Hey, I got a bounty to come for you guys. Um, gotta take you back to where you're from." And uh, then he finds out that the inn is run by the widow woman. He's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, since you don't have a husband, I'm gonna go to the judge and we're gonna shut this place down." And the main character's like, "Oh please, please! It's about to be Thanksgiving. Please let us come back after Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving." And what's the problem with Thanksgiving in colonial America?
0: So Thanksgiving wasn't a thing until Abraham Lincoln talked about it. Um, And then when Abraham Lincoln died, it was not an official holiday until Ulysses S. Grant. And the late 1860s proclaimed it as a holiday. So, I mean, we're talking 100 years or more before it actually became a holiday. And it was just a federal holiday where people got the day off. It wasn't a eating turkey kind of holiday.
1: And what do they have in this Thanksgiving meal, Micah?
0: Oh, they had the works. They had the turkey, they had the stuffing, if I believe correctly, it was like pecan-crusted stuffing, and then they had green beans, and it was like some special kind of green beans. It was, I mean, it was the feast of all feasts for Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, it was pretty bad. So, meanwhile, uh, main character is having a very strong infatuation with the German boy's sister, we'll call her Blondie, and they, like, brush up against each other, and there's this weird, like, tension, and then, like, he's in the garden, and he sees her in the garden, and apparently she's wearing this very short skirt, exposing her legs and her shoulders, and I'm like, hold on. In, in colonial America, they would have been wearing, like, like skirts and petticoats
0: yeah it's it's layers they would be wearing like you know corsets and petticoats and long dress i mean i mean even in the early 1900s you show your ankle that's racy so back then they really covered up
1: that's what i'm saying i'll be like maybe if you know she was feeling a little uh harlady she would have been showing ankle or something but anyways i digress so the wolf or whatever comes to take uh, the main character and his bride-to-be away and then it comes to take the widow woman away and the bride-to-be who's been a whole ditch this whole time come is like sherlock holmes she just magically becomes sherlock holmes and says hey you know that box that my 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 fiance gave me with all the stuff well yeah uh yeah uh it has the first initials of my name and his name, but those aren't really our first names, those are our middle names, and it has to have the first names. So German boy's dad decides, hey, I'm gonna marry this chick just to save her from the yed. And it turns out that my first initial of my first name matches matches it on the on the box and her first initial of her first name matches the box and they uh, somehow are able to get married and the bounty hunter doesn't even care. And turns out, too, that main character and Bride to Be, that now absolves their marriage. They don't have to get married anymore. So now, Bride to Be runs away with Circus Boy. Like, yeah, they apparently had some romance that we didn't know about. She just runs away to join the circus, which the circus wasn't, like, invented until the early 1900s. And then, oh, let me backtrack. You remember the dog that we talked about. Well, they named this dog Gaudi. And they said, why did you name him Gaudi? And main character says, oh yeah, after the Spanish architect Antonio Gaudi. Now, Micah, tell us a little bit about Antonio Gaudi.
0: Antonio Gaudi was not born until the late 1860s, or I'm sorry, late 1800s in general, and wasn't, I mean, he died in the early 1900s. So we're talking way over time here. Again, 100 plus years difference in time from colonial America to when this guy was even born, much less being an architect.
1: So, recap for me. Who, which historical things do we have in the span of a of a week?
0: So, in a week, we had Ben Franklin, well, I'm sorry, first we had King George's taxes, then we had Ben Franklin, then we had Ben Franklin's uh, Free the Slave campaign, we'll call it, and then we had let's see, it's hard to keep track. There's Antonio Gowdy who was in the eighteen hundreds. There was the Pawnee Indians that happened to be in Pennsylvania in the woodlands when they came from Kansas and Nebraska somehow. Um, then we had stagecoaches also. We didn't mention that one, but yes, we had stagecoaches in the early seventeen or in the late seventeen hundreds. Um Oh, yeah, Antonio Vivaldi, who was dead in 1740, and they were talking about how they wanted him to be the minister at the wedding at one point. Um, yeah, Starkey was stuffing. Trust me, at this time, this little town that they were at, it would have been a little bitty outpost. It would not have been anything where they could be getting stuffing and green beans on the rag.
1: So, uh... Bride to be runs off with Circus Boy, and turns out the very like Homeboy doesn't waste any time. Like the like maybe an hour after his bride to be, uh, leaves with Circus Boy, then they decide, oh yeah, I'm gonna ask Blondie to marry me. Let's and then he goes up to German Boy's dad and says, you know what? Let's make it a double wedding. And the Wolf, he's like, oh yeah, well since uh, everything's all good here, I'm gonna go away. Or so we think. So then they have a double wedding, like, the next day, okay? They have a double wedding the next day. And guess who shows up? The wolf. Now, he comes back and he says, Oh, yeah, since you're getting married, I'm tearing up this, I guess, summons or whatever it is. And I was like, why didn't he just go back to where he was? Like, it was very useless. So they decide... Uh, main character and his new blondie bride-to-be, or his new wife, I should say, they decide, oh yeah, I want to go west. And what's happening at this point in the book?
0: Oh, they're talking about how the Ohio territory by the government has become a subsidized state. and Basically, you could just ride out there and get yourself a piece of land. Well, the problem is Ohio was not a state until the early 1800s. It was owned by the French prior to that point and also when did we become a government literally in the timeline because what they were talking about when they had their little engagement party it was like on a Saturday and a Sunday they went to go see this friend on like a Monday or a Tuesday Thanksgiving was on Thursday and this was like the next Saturday so when did we go- become a government when did we have the Revolutionary War in this time frame I mean I'm at this point, we were very confused. Okay, where are we at time-wise?
1: And let me make it worse for you. So they go to this other town in Pennsylvania, and this thing is like the freaking wild, wild west. There's a saloon. There's apparently a steakhouse, a big steer steakhouse. There's like a, a, what's it called, where you go buy a supply store, a general supply store where they're buying all this They're buying all this flour and all these canned goods, and they're buying all this ammo, and it's like, yeah, and they meet this other couple, and they're like, yeah, you guys ready to go west? We're going to be pioneers in our prairie schooners. Oh, that's another thing. We're going to drive our prairie schooner, and uh, we're going to have a trail leader, and we're going to be like a pioneer, and so literally, we go from Sunday, where they're talking about King George's taxes, to Sunday of the next week, where they're in a saloon and they're eating at the big Steer Steakhouse. I just I didn't know what to think.
0: It was awful. I'll put it to you that way. We went through so many twisted turns that shouldn't have been twisted turns just because they were historical plot holes or just plot holes in, in general. There was characters that didn't ever serve a purpose or if they did serve a purpose it was a very minute purpose. There was the use of uh, alliteration or illustration in the book that literally they, I mean, went on, uh, the bakery, for instance. I mean, they went on and on about every piece of bread in the entire bakery. We've been in the bakery before. You don't, you can tell with one, you know, that's a good looking piece of sourdough. And you can describe it. But other than that, we've been in a bakery. We don't need a chapter describing the bakery.
1: And the dialogue is absolutely awful because it'll be like, uh, main character. The servant asked the main character if he would like a drink. Yes, please, said the main character. And then the servant says, here you go. And then the main character says, thanks. Oh, yeah, by the way, they also say y'all in Pennsylvania, apparently. And they say, let's get some fancy duds. Like They talk like they're from the South, but they're in Pennsylvania. They say y'all.
0: Yeah, they say y'all quite a bit. And then fancy duds when talking about clothes... Um, it's not very Pennsylvania-like either. It sounds like we're, uh, on the prairie down south.
1: Also, too, like, the main character's bride-to-be, she goes by, I'll just say the name, she goes by Isabella, but her middle name is Prudence, and so halfway, half the time she's called Isabella, and then halfway she's called Prudence. There's, like, no, like, general, like, consistency, just the consistency consistency of it was so awful and the historical inaccuracies we don't even know where the dog went I guess the dog just ran off like we don't know where the dog went and then like there was another character we're like why did we have a whole description of him he never showed back up
0: ever again and he had a nickname and everything and I mean never came back
1: yeah so this was our definitely our worst book of the of ever that I've ever read in my life and hopefully the author is listening because bro, you never need to write a book ever again, and uh, I know that sounds a little mean, but uh, there's a reason why this book was not published
0: don't quit your day job
1: exactly so, we will get off of that our next segment is what fries my donuts, and Michael what fries your donuts
0: <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what fries my donuts what fries my donuts is when we have hidden rules in our society let me go into that a little bit So, my main thing, and I didn't really talk about this around Christmas, keep everything joyful and happy, but I don't like getting gifts. One reason? Because society has these little rules about things. You know, if somebody came knocking on my door right now, if Chris came knocking on my door right now with a gift, and he came in to give it to me, I have an obligation, whether he says so or not, even if he says it's okay for me not to open it right now. I have to open it. Because that's that's what I have to do. And you know what the rest of the thing is, too? It's, I never know how to react. Because if you overreact, then they're like, oh, well, he's just faking and he doesn't like it. But I do like it. And then they never believe you from then on out. Or you underreact like, oh, thanks, this is great. And then they're like, oh, well, you don't like it? Well, here's the receipt. And I'm like, whoa, 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 I don't need the receipt. I like it, I promise. And they're like, no, 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 you don't have to lie to me. It's okay, it's me. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I like it. Just leave it alone. And it becomes this awkward thing. And all of a sudden, from then on out, now we're at parties, Thanksgiving, and everything else. And they're talking about, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just going to watch what I get him. I'm just going to give him a gift card from now on. And you'd liked it in the first place. Little things like that. But along with that, it's people not saying what they actually mean. I have so much more respect for people that come up and tell me this is the way it is and this is how it needs to be done. Even if I disagree with you, I'm going to have respect for you because you came out and said it is. It happens a lot in the South too. I don't know if you noticed it, Chris, but you know, the, oh, bless your heart, which just means, oh man, you know, you need help. (laughs) Essentially, that's what that means.
1: I think that, uh, just this whole what fries your donuts, I think it's more of a Southern thing because Southern people don't really want to hurt your feelings. Uh, with people being more, I guess, raised in church in the South and that being like a staple, they don't really want to hurt your feelings. And so that's why they kind of have to be fake nice. But I'd rather you be straight up to my face and say, "Nah, I didn't like that gift or I, I didn't like what you did. If you didn't like the gift, I'd rather you tell me. And then the next time I'll be like, oh, yeah, now I know what not to get you. I can have a better idea. Because some people are just not naturally good gift givers.
0: And it's the same for if you're over at somebody's house and you don't necessarily like their cooking. There's a right way to do it, okay? I'm not saying uh, – because some, something else I really don't like is I don't like people being, you know, mean about things or being really rude and crude. Just be like, I just tell it how it is. Okay, well, that's not an excuse for you to be rude. It. You could say something and you can mean something differently. You know, if I go over to Chris's house and he makes me baba ganoush and I don't like baba ganoush, well, guess what? Then I can say, hey, you know, maybe that's not my cup of tea. You know, when he asked me, was it good? Do you like it? Eh, I could see how you like it. Not my cup of tea. Something like that. And that way Chris knows... Okay, he's not a fan, but at the same time, I'm not hurting his feelings.
1: I'm just going to ask one question. What the monkey crap is Baba Canoosh?
0: I don't know. It might not even be a food. I just threw that out there.
1: I would never, ever, ever make you Baba Canoosh. The only thing I might make you is mac and cheese out of the box.
0: I would hope it's... I don't think I've ever had actual mac and cheese that's not out of a box. Maybe at a restaurant, but...
1: Oh well, I mean, I made I I made uh mac and cheese for work, so I guess I have to make it. But anyway, sorry, I distracted you. What you got? Any more to say about what fries your donuts?
0: Nah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the thing is, I would I'd just much rather you tell me things to my face, um, because to be honest with you, if you know I'm on the receiving end, if I'm making you something that you don't like, I'd rather you, you know, because most of the time people can pick up and tell anyways that you're that you're you know lying to them or you're trying to put on a brave face for something and it just makes the whole thing awkward. I mean, I just I think it's funny how people go so far out of their way to avoid making it awkward, it still makes it awkward. Um, so, hey, you might as well just say it, right? That's that's just me. And the um, reason this comes up is a lot of the things that fries our donuts happen on a daily basis, you know, and uh, they just come up and this is one that's been here recently um just notice a lot of people would just rather like i said beat around the bush It's just not a good thing my opinion
1: well just don't make micah freaking baba canoosh or whatever the heck that is uh but <laughs> anyways uh that's what fries your donuts uh Baba, I don't know. I'm still on that Baba Kanusha, freaking goomba. Anyways, uh, the next thing is our uh mystery donut, which is our improv. Now we're gonna do our free improv, and uh, what is the scenario for this improv, Micah?
0: So our scenario is going to be in a furniture store.
1: Okay, furniture store, and uh. What accent are we going to do?
0: John Wayne.
1: Okay, for those of y'all that don't know who John Wayne is, uh, he was an action star, Western star in the 50s. Uh, for those of y'all that do know who John Wayne is, I hope you'll appreciate uh, this improv. So I guess I'll start. All right. Do you have a love seat or do you only sell the
0: sofa? Do you provide your own financing? Or I'm not gonna have to find a bank on my own.
1: Listen here, buddy. You better give me 0% APR or you'll be sorry.
0: Are you gonna deliver it to my house? Or am I gonna have to persuade you to bring it to my house?
1: Are you gonna call first? Or are you gonna just pop your ugly mug right in?
0: If I smell whiskey on your breath, I'm going to throw you out like I threw that guy out the saloon doors.
1: Go ahead, Colorado. Just try and show up to my door. You'll be sitting there staring down the barrel of a 12-gate shotgun.
0: If you try to give me any trouble because I'm not home, you'll be sorry on the back end of that deal.
1: Does this sofa come in black? Or does it only come in suede?
0: Is the sofa stain resistant? Because I like to have a party.
1: I like to have a whiskey every now and again. Alright, so that was our mystery donut, which was our improv uh if you're young and you don't know who John Wayne is, you should know who John Wayne is. Do some research. Honestly, I like some John Wayne movies, but if you've seen one, you've seen them all. So you only really have to watch one John Mo- Wayne movie. If they were going to watch any John Wayne movie, which movie would you recommend?
0: I guess True Grit.
1: Uh, I would say either True Grit, Rio Bravo, or The Cowboys is pretty good. I would say those are... that. Those are pretty good movies. But anyways, uh, it is almost time for us to wrap it up. And we have one more segment, which is our eclair, which is our positive advice. So, Micah, I will let you go first.
0: I'm going to do a little cliche week for this week. Um, it's going to be that try, try again, old telltale. The thing is, uh, so we're going to throw back to three years ago of my life. And... I was really fighting hard to get into the career path that I am right now, Um, and to do so I needed to take this test. Um, Actually the test was out of my league, but I knew if I took it and I passed it, I would get my foot in the door. And uh, The first time, I studied for this test almost a year, and went in there and I failed it. I mean it was close, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't pass it. And So studied again, six months or so, failed it again. And, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, I was really disheartened, especially these tests. It wasn't just hard, they were also very costly. I mean, for both tests, it was $1,000. And at the time, I did not have a lot of money. So the thing is, um, just had that. But, you know, here recently, I had the opportunity to be able to take this test actually on someone else's dime. And when those opportunities come about, you know that you got to nail it out of the park. So there was a lot of pressure on me, but I knew that I can get it done. And I finally passed that test. And I just got to say, you know, just because things don't work out for you in the beginning, don't ever give up on them because you never know when they're going to come back around and you'll have the chance to knock it out of the park the next time and just be prepared for that moment.
1: Well, congrats, man, on passing your test. Uh, I know that's a big feat for you. And, uh, Congratulations, man. And there's some things that we only learn through failure. So failure is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, as long as you get back up and you try again, that's the main thing. So uh, don't let it beat you down, and your failures don't define who you are. Uh, there's so many people in history that they had failures and they bounce back from them. But, uh, My positive advice is, uh, and this is more of a leadership tip, but you can take it and it'll help you in any part of life. So, if you manage people, lead people, or you're in a leadership role, uh, I would say this listen to your people. Um, People value it when you listen to them, even if you don't agree with the way that they want to do things or you don't agree with their grievances. If you take the time to listen and let them know that you're listening and they can tell you're actually listening, then it's going to pay off for you in the long run. Uh, listening is such a key leadership skill uh, because a lot of people do too much talking and not enough listening. And, um, if you just sit down and listen to your people, they might point out to you things that could even be better. And you might be like, Hey, I never noticed that before. Cause sometimes as leaders, we get so tunnel vision or have our mind so scatterbrained that we don't really know. So, uh, listening is a good part of being a good leader. And when you listen to people, that's how you make them feel valued. And that's how you get people, uh, that want to work for you. Uh, I've been in situations where I tried to voice my concerns and, people didn't listen and that didn't make me want to stick around or or work for them anymore, but listen to your people. Um, And so this has been a great podcast. Uh, Tell them about maybe some of the videos that are going to be coming up, Micah.
0: Oh man. So we got something brand new coming out. Uh, We're going to be, Having our own Trash Can Fight League, if you will. It's all going to be virtual. It's all going to be based around UFC for the game. We're going to start making some content on that. And um, kind of have some fight leagues, some new versus old guys, and just some you know fights that you would probably, if we could do it in real life, we would love to see. And uh, we'll be commenting the whole time. So be on the lookout for that. But TVTrashCan.com. TVTrashCan.com. come look at our social media and also our website and once uh we get those videos out and we'll we'll put them up as quick as possible
1: yeah man uh, go and be looking for those videos i'm excited to make those videos they're gonna be really fun uh so episode 15 man we're almost five away from 20 so uh i can't wait till we get to 25 you know that's a feat because think about it bro like it seemed like episode one was just like yesterday
0: Heck yeah. And I mean, think about it. Once we get to 25, that means we're over a year or not over a year, over half a year. Sorry.
1: Exactly. So make sure you go and like us, tvtrashcan.com. Go like our social media. Go like uh, and share and comment and interact with us because we love you guys. And so we thank you so much for your support. I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And see you on the flip side.